0: If you heard the last episode of this show, Sex with Strippers, you probably remember Gia. For a
1: hundred so. bucks. Yeah, i pee on somebody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I originally met Gia at a party where she performed as part of a 2 girl show featuring a double-headed dildo. And that performance briefly came up during our conversation.
2: Gay for pay, that's what I like
0: to call it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not, like, bi even? or. No. Okay, so it's just like... Strictly let's... dickly.
2: <laughs>
0: Not even... No. <laughs> so it's just like, let's make this money. I that's, think, that's, that's I think what women that's are beautiful. Right, but, but you don't want to fuck them. No. Nah. Is that weird for you to do, like, stuff with a woman, or can you just...
2: Sort yeah, of... uh-huh. That was, like, my maybe, like, second or third time ever doing it. I just kind of, like, black it out. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, you know, whatever.
0: And, I mean, at least it was, like, a dildo. Yeah. So, I mean... If you close your eyes, you, you can pretend a woman's yeah. not there.
3: Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, glad you guys liked it, though. That
2: makes me feel good.
0: This is embarrassing to admit, but prior to that interview, the idea that girl-on-girl action would be uncomfortable for a professional stripper or porn actress had never really crossed my mind. That being said, it probably isn't uncomfortable for most of them. According to a study released last year in the Journal of Sex Research, 67.1% of female porn actresses identify as bisexual. Another piece of evidence suggesting girl-on-girl isn't a big deal for most porn actresses, aside from the sheer ubiquity of it, is the fact that the typical girl-on-girl scene pays less than the typical girl-on-guy scene. A 2012 Business Insider article quoted porn agent Mark Spiegler laying out the standard pay scale as being $1,000 for guy-girl scenes and $800 for girl-girl scenes. And in case you're curious, anal sex is $1,200 and double penetration is is $4,000. So why am I talking about all of this in a show about Rent Boys? Well, gay for pay is a concept we will explore in this episode because one of the men interviewed for this show is straight. And I find it fascinating how different straight men and straight women are treated by the adult entertainment industry. If you're a straight porn actress... Your sexuality is basically irrelevant. The expectation is that you are going to do scenes with other women, and that you are going to get paid less to do them. If you're a stripper who does private parties, which, as we established last episode, is where the real money is, you're going to be expected to do two- and three-girls shows, some of which are billed as lesbian shows. And if you're a straight girl, there's a good chance that's going to be awkward for you. And listening to Gia talk about how she would block it out in her mind reminded me of something Eric Berry, the former gay for pay sex worker said when I spoke with him last week.
4: If I were to ever climax with these people, I always had to be thinking of a girl. Um, and there's just things that are make that easier to have happen. You know, It's easier for me to like Have a guy, you know, forgive me, but like a guy like eating my ass while I'm jerking off and pretend that that's a girl versus me, you know, having a guy like fuck my face and being like, it's just a girl fucking my face, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like the girl
0: pegging my face.
4: (laughs) Yeah, right. All
0: around the world, there are straight women eating pussy and straight men sucking dick for money. And I'm sure they all have their own little mental tricks to work around the awkwardness of the situation. The difference, at least in the porn world, is that when men cross that line, the money is much better. The best paid male porn actors are straight actors who do gay for pay porn. And the fact that they are straight is promoted and used as a marketing tool. A marketing tool that works. There are probably a ton of reasons why this model is successful. I think the idea of forbidden fruit probably plays a major role. And these same forces translate into the world of prostitution, which is the real focus of this episode. Eric is not the first or the last straight guy to do this kind of work. There is a huge market for it especially when compared to the number of women who are willing to pay men for sex. In episode four of this show, we spoke with Martin, a gigolo who provides sexual services to women. People like him do exist, but they are in a tiny minority within the sex worker community. So most straight men who work as escorts have an exclusively male clientele. But there are also plenty of gay and bi-identified individuals working in this world. So, in addition to hearing from Eric, who is straight, we will hear from Ted, who is gay, and Tay, who I believe is bisexual, despite his objections to that term.
3: I don't believe in the whole bi thing. I think you're either gay or straight. But you continue to have sex with women sometimes. Yes, but that doesn't make me not gay. I think it does. <laughs> the way, the way that I look at it is this. Um, if you were to fuck a man, you're gay. But if you're... But
0: but by that same logic, I can say if you were to fuck a woman, then you're straight. No. But if you do both,
3: then yeah. you're... I mean, you're gay. <laughs> but, like I said, a straight man will not fuck another man. Well I'm, well, I'm not saying you're straight,
0: <laughs> but are you
3: attracted to women?
0: Yes. Then you're bi.
3: No. <laughs> I'm still gay. How are you still gay? Because, like I said, I don't believe in the term bi. Because the whole thing with a woman, that's just natural. For a man to be attracted to a woman, that's natural.
0: You know, okay. That's I, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but, like, some guys aren't. And those are... We call those guys gay guys. Exactly. And guys who are attracted to both, we call them bi. Or pan or, you know, flexible. Or I mean, there are all these different terms that, you know, people use. Mm-hmm. But you just...
3: You don't. No, you're either gay or you're straight. That's the way I look at
0: it. One of us is wrong. For the sake of fairness, I'm not going to say which one of us it is, even though it's obviously him. But you can decide for yourselves that he's the one who is wrong. I'm not going to try to sway you either way, but he is completely wrong. I should also note that though I agreed with him, In that clip, that it's natural for men to be attracted to women, there are plenty of men who are not, and that's equally natural. I just need to state that for the record. And this is episode 11 of Sex with Strangers, Sex with Rent Boys. I'm your host Chris Soa. In addition to hearing from Eric, Ted, and Tay, we will also hear from some familiar voices from past episodes. There's a lot to cover this episode. Please stick around. Before we fully immerse ourselves in the topic at hand, I do want to follow up on something from last episode. You may recall that there was a wide gap between the percentage of men who came in their pants while receiving lap dances from Lana and Gia. Gia put her percentage at 30 or 40%, and Lana put hers at 0 I mentioned that I suspected the main reason for the difference was that Gia does a lot of club work and Lana just does private parties. So I followed up with Gia, who confirmed my suspicion. So, mystery solved. If you want to come during a lap dance, go to a club. Don't hire strippers for a party. Another thing I should mention is that one of today's guests is also a podcaster. You can find Eric Berry's show, Full Disclosure, on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, and at his website, fdpod.com. And on a related note, a recent episode of Full Disclosure, episode 107 to be exact, features porn star Ryan Driller, who is straight and now exclusively does straight porn... But he started out doing gay porn, and he talks a bit about both worlds, and it's really fascinating. So, when you're done with this show, go and give that a listen to as well. But first, let's talk about fisting. Can we talk about fisting for a minute? All three men brought up fisting at some point in the conversation, which took me by surprise. I think mainly because I never really give fisting much thought. But this episode has changed that quite a bit. Ted brought up fisting while trying to remember his first sex work experience.
2: I fisted him. That's what it was. And your first date, you fisted? Oh yeah, like like I mean, had you ever fisted in your personal life? Oh yeah. Um, well, I mean, a few times. I, I my ex partner um, before I started this industry, he um, he had fisted me before. Okay. So I understood it. The, uh, the date walked me through it, as 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 you say, um, and you know he told me you know, we took it easy, got in there. It was it was my first time as a fisting top, so it was really fun actually, uh, to kind of explore that more. Yeah, that was that, that was my first one. His second client requested water sports, which was also something he was very familiar with. Because water sports is something you can do, you can self-explore, which is what I did when I was, like, 12. I would lay in the bathtub and piss all over myself, or drink my own piss, or shove it up my ass. Part of why Ted
0: is such a good fit for this industry is the fact that he's pretty kinky all around.
2: I don't know, while I'm having sex, me being punched in the chest, I find that very normal. Some okay. people don't. Like, my my chest is still bruised from the weekend. And that was just for fun? Oh, yeah. Like, why not? Like, I took a vacation. <laughs>
0: People vacation in different ways, and if you were wondering if this vacation involved fisting,
2: you can bet your ass it did. So here I am in the middle of the woods. I'm like wrist deep in my in my, in my friend's ass. Okay. Just he's bent over this old stump, and some of our friends are watching. There's like this this like horned or yellow jacket that just kept flying around his anus because it's um, we're using J lube and it's. It's like sugar water, basically. Oh, wow. And since it's, it's sweet, like, as I like, was smelling it, and we were joking around about, you know, like, if I'm fisting him, i think like, fist this one into his ass. And we just started laughing about it. So much so that I had to, like, stop and, like, so my hand's in him, I'm laughing, <laughs> he's laughing, the two guys that are with us are laughing, and that went on for, like, a good three or four minutes of just us laughing like that. But he didn't get stung? Mm-hmm. No, he did not.
0: Ted is one month shy of 24, and he's been doing this work a little less than three years. And though he certainly was no prude when he entered this business, sex work has definitely broadened his horizons a bit further. Here he is going over some of the firsts he experienced while in the biz.
2: What are all the firsts well, that come to I mean, mind? I mean, there was the first time fisting someone. There was the first time having someone piss in my ass. Then there was someone who pissed at my ass and fucked me. Uh, There was a group scene in which it was three different people uh, took turns fucking me. it 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 was a lot of fun First,
0: So many fun firsts. So many fun firsts. Tay, like Ted, was 21 when he started escorting. And Eric was only 18. Neither of them had any sexual contact with men prior to entering the biz. So anything they did while on the clock, fun or otherwise, was a first for them. And it makes sense that Eric, being straight, would be the most likely of the three to be weirded out by some of the more outlandish
4: requests. There was one guy in particular uh, in the South Bay, in, in the Bay Area, who... Had a request that I put on two uh, rubber gloves, so both of my hands together, I think, in like a praying motion, and to double fist him. In his words, in his man pussy. Just a visual <laughs> that I, on all levels, you know, doesn't work for me. And um, he's like, "Oh yeah, th- here's a really weird thing that a lot of these guys on these ads will do. These these clients. He's like, "Oh, I ha- don't worry that you're straight. I have a couple straight." you know, friends that love doing this to me. They're married and everything. And I'm like, Oh well, geez, if they're doing it, then nah, I'm in. Why didn't you say this was such a straight thing to do? If, if a hundred straight guys <laughs> jump off of a bridge, yeah. there's
0: nothing gay about it. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Unless you're fisting a guy <laughs> in his man pussy while you're doing
0: it. Well, you're jumping off of that bridge right into his man. pussy, <laughs> Right. Yeah. I can fit a hundred of them in there. <laughs> well, it uh, seems like you might be able to cheese <laughs> it. Yeah.
4: Two fists. Yeah.
0: Did you do it? No.
4: <laughs> No, I I was, I talked to a couple of my gay friends about it and they like, they almost like threw up hearing about it. Um, and my one friend, he's like, well, there's gotta be a minimum that you have to even consider. And I'm like the, the, like I would to consider it, we'd have to start at least a thousand bucks. This guy wanted to pay 50, $50. He he said he he's like, Oh, that's his thing. He's like, no, I have two straight friends. And then he's like, well, I'm willing to go up to 75. And I'm like, there's no way... I mean, just the gas to get down to where he was, you know, was like half that. There's no, There was no way that I was going to do it. But a more interesting thing for me with that whole thing is that how frequently prospective clients would come back and say, oh, but I have these guys that do this for this price, or these guys are straight and they do it. And I'm like, dude, I could jerk off into a cup three times a week for $75. Like, I don't need to... the The idea that you found someone that's willing to do it um, does make me think. I mean, okay, well, everyone sets their own price, and maybe they need the money more than I do, Um, or maybe they're not as straight as you're saying, or maybe they're there. It's a kink for them, but for me to do something that I'm truly not into like that, like no way, no, not fifty bucks. Okay, so one
0: of the questions I was going to ask you is now gone. Um, Will will you fist my man pussy (laughs) for fifty (laughs) dollars? Thank you for answering that. I think $25 a fist is a fair price. Eric's comment about how prospective clients would try to convince him to take part in certain activities by telling him that other people are doing it, reminds me of what Gia said she hears all of the time at the strip club.
2: Well, that girl did this. That's like the the famous quote, the famous line. And it's like, well, you know, okay, then go back with her again.
0: And when people say things like that, I'm sure some of them are telling the truth and some of them are lying. But the great thing about being an independent contractor is you can set your own limits. Ted, Eric, and Tay all have set their own limits and they're all very different. Ted, for instance, won't do anything scatological. But Tay, on the other hand, happily will.
3: The first time was very odd. Um, but I had done. I had been escorting for a while, and I'm not judgmental at all. Right, so right. when they asked me for it, I was just like, "Are you serious?" And he's like, "Yeah. Um, I'm gonna buy you some milkshakes, and <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I want you to shit on my chest." So I was like, uh, "Okay." He's like, look, I'll give you $200. Rides. I was like, okay, cut. come on. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go to Dairy Queen. Yeah, come on. What's wrong with that? I have a feeling that's less common. It's a lot less common. Um, but being pissed on people swallowing, drinking your piss, being pissed inside of them and all that, that's really common. And as we've
0: covered in previous episodes, that seems to be the consensus in the straight world as well. Golden showers are quite common. But scat, though requested from time to time, is rare. Ted believes that water sports is the most popular fetish among his clientele, with it occurring in one out of every six or seven dates. And scat is one of those things that I'll never quite understand, honestly, but I get why someone would go to a sex worker, male or female, to have that kind of thing done. A lot of people freak out about their partner's kinks. Even the most benign fetishes have led to divorce. So can you imagine being in the situation where you have a comfortable life in the suburbs with 2.5 kids and three-fourths of a dog, and you love your life and your spouse, but you won't feel completely fulfilled until someone shits on your chest? Those people are out there, and I'm glad that there are professionals for them to experiment with and fulfill that requirement without risking losing everything in the process. Though, I have to say, I don't blame any sex worker for electing not to provide that service. One sex worker who does refuse these requests is Mariah from Episode 6, Sex in Boomtown USA. And in this clip, she recalls a phone conversation that started out relatively vanilla, but went some places she wasn't prepared for.
1: So he started out the conversation about flip fetishes. I was cool with him on that level. But then he's like, okay, so what about like, mm, something a little deeper? And I'm like, well, I don't know, honey, what are you talking about? I just knew the way he was talking to me, he was gonna take this conversation to some place I didn't wanna be. So first he was like, "Well, what about pissing on me like a golden shower?" And I'm like, oh God, "Okay, fucking weirdo. Okay, yeah, I'll piss on you. You know what I'm saying?" How much would you charge for that? He was well. He was willing to give me like three hundred dollars. That would have been five hundred dollars because it was two hundred dollars per day. So the three hundred dollars. Okay. Well, then it went so far as, "Can you piss in my mouth? Can you shit in my mouth?" I'm like, "Okay, whoa." whoa 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 hold on what did you just say to me he's like i want to eat your shit no you don't no you no you don't did you just say that out your mouth like i think i just vomited in my mouth like oh my god first of all i can't shit on demand second of all i'm not going to defecate in your mouth that's disgusting i have enough respect for myself if you don't have enough respect for you i have enough respect for you and me both and i'm not going to do that that's disgusting and then he like wouldn't let me get off the phone well don't you want to know how i got involved no i think you were abused as your child your parents locked you in a basement something terrible happened to you you need to not be calling me on back page you need to be you need to be calling like a therapist can we google therapist for you while we're on the phone you need to shrink like that is not normal to ask somebody to urinate and shit in your mouth like you have issues you need help i told him that and i hung up the phone like i can't help you so you get weird calls yeah
0: I love that she ends that kind of passionate rant with, so you get weird calls. Yeah. I don't think she would have had quite as negative a reaction to a request for just a typical Cleveland steamer. And I also don't think that discouraging that guy's request is sex negative, since a huge part of the sex positive movement is about safety. And shitting in someone's mouth isn't a safe activity. You could kill them. Honestly, you could. And if you did that, you might even face criminal charges like manslaughter. And just imagine how awkward that trial would be. So just say no to shitting on people above the neck. Or perhaps consult a lawyer before you cross that line. This has been yet another Sex with Strangers Public Service Announcement. Now let's cleanse the palate a little bit. No more scat talk, I promise. Let's talk about incest play instead. Lana, who I'm sure you guys remember from last episode, mentioned incest play as one of the few things she won't do. And I really respect her reasoning for coming to this decision.
2: I won't be someone's mother I okay. won't uh, baby them at all I don't do the changing the diaper babying, breastfeeding play kind of stuff like that because I, just, I can't get into it I offer and suggest main things that I really do like and uh, the thing about doms um, that is way different than like strippers and the strippers that know each other there's a community and there's like a lot of help there's We talk to each other, and, like, if there was somebody I'm not compatible with that wants to do something like that, I could give them the phone number to a person I highly recommend.
0: On a related note, rentboy.com, which is a site that is used by both Ted and Tay, is really well put together in a way that allows the boys, if you will, those rentable boys to list the fetishes they are willing to take part in. So if you have a request that's a little off the beaten path, you may be able to find an escort who lists it as something he'll do. Or at the very least, you can narrow down your search based on who seems the kinkiest. One thing I respect about Ted is that even if he's not personally into something, He's open-minded enough to explore
2: it, even if it weirds him out a little bit. I really don't know how I felt about that afterwards. Like, I felt kind of awkward.
0: Were you his son
2: in a yeah. scenario? Yeah, I, I was his son in the scenario, and it was a very sexual scenario. And at the same point as I'm... Like, I understand, role-playing can be really fun and hot. And it was fun and hot. But at the, at the same moment, it was... I don't know at, at the time, because I was pretty new in, uh into this, and I was almost twenty two. At at that time, it was very. I felt very awkward for me. And nowadays, I I view it completely differently. How old was he? Roughly. Fifty five. So old enough to be your father. Yeah. He was really into it, which which also helped in like the hotness factor, like especially when someone's really into it. Yeah, like I said, at the time, it was just, like, a whole different mindset. So now that I've explored more and done more fetishes and done more self-exploring, it's kind of, that mentality has changed. But there are some lines he will not cross. Uh, There's actually one that I I did leave from. Uh, The person wanted this very, very forceful, rough fantasy that I was just not okay with. They actually wanted a, basically a rape scene. And I just was not mentally okay with that.
0: And you were supposed to rape them, or? No. Oh, I see. It was they, want, to... they wanted to be the rapist in the rape fantasy. Right. And I was not kosher with that. <laughs> and I don't blame him for that. Tay also recently had an interesting experience with someone requesting incest play that might have bordered on actual incest, among other things.
3: I'm thinking of it recently. Some guy. <laughs> He came on there um, asking f- to watch his son get fucked. What? Yes. Um, and I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. Um, I want you to fuck my son. So, me, like I said, I really don't discriminate. I don't judge anyone. <laughs> so when I first heard, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, um, but then I started. I'll thinking. fuck your son. Why not? Exactly. And I'm like, shit. If you got a problem with me fucking your son, ain't got a problem with it but then I started thinking how old is this child that you're right. asking me to fuck right. and he went around that question several times so I was like look you bullshitting with me I'm not finna fuck some Maya it's not gonna happen you know what I'm saying you cannot pay me enough to go and fuck someone under the age come to think of it I wanna see your ID if you don't look like you're older let me see your ID cause it's not gonna be no statutory rape and all that other shit none right. of that. It. it's not right. gonna happen So that never came about? No, it didn't. Because he never wanted to tell me the age of the son.
0: I hope this son character doesn't actually exist. And I think there's a good chance that's the case. Hopefully this guy just had an incest fantasy based around a fictional son. We know that a lot of people get off on just having text, email, or phone conversations with sex workers. With no actual intention of ever meeting in person,
3: you have to like sort through the request. I would say, out of ten client, well, ten potential clients, about four will be serious. So sixty percent of it is people just sort of looking to chat and mm-hmm. flirt with the they idea. They want to see your pictures. They want you to send them pictures of you. They want to no, just talk to No, do you do that? You. Ah. Yeah, I do. It doesn't bother me. You know, a lot of times it's, that's all that it is. This basically, they have those requests for you to send them pictures for you to basically talk to them. And after a while, you notice, you'd be like, okay, this is bullshit. Because they haven't said anything about a meeting place, uh, what time we're going to meet. And when I bring it up, they bring up something totally different. So then I say, okay, this is going to be a waste of my time.
0: On the day of this interview... Tay had two different clients cancel appointments. Ted and Eric have had similar experiences. Here's what Ted had to say when I inquired about his least favorite aspect of working in this business.
2: Flaky dates. Um, that sounds like a breakfast cereal. I know. Uh, <laughs> <that> does. <laughs> Because I've had people that have been like, oh yeah, sure, this time, this time, we can do this, this, and this, and then I'm excited, I'm all for it, and then it just never turns out. How often does that happen? It happens fairly frequently. There's, and there's a couple of weeks that they'll be sending you emails or phone, or phone calls or texts, and they'll just be like, hey, you know, I'm really excited to, you know, get to meet you soon. And I'll say something simple like, okay, let's plan out a set time and day, and like, well, we'll get together soon. And that's, you know, all I ever hear. According
0: to Tay, the environment here in Chicago is a bit different than what he experienced when doing this work in Miami.
3: Business in Miami is a lot more straightforward because most of the people in Miami, I guess they're afraid. I guess that's the best way to put it because it's known for johns to be robbed by people that they're dating. So what they do is they try to, okay, let's hurry up. I'm going to make sure you get paid what you want so you don't have to rob me. Here, it's been, a, like I said, about 40%, if that, that are actually serious about what they're requesting. That wasn't the case in Miami, that 40% number? No, because no. in Miami, you will be stopped by everyone. Bus drivers, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And when they stop you, they're ready to pay.
0: When I was around 18, I spent a summer in the Miami area. And I was really struck by the number of young men engaging in street prostitution there in very in-your-face ways. And every once in a while, an offer would come my way as well, which I would always politely decline. I have one memory of being at this outdoor restaurant in a very nice neighborhood that was separated from a pristine beach by just like this narrow, winding Ocean Drive, which I believe was actually called Ocean Drive. In fact, I'm positive that it was and I remember this teenage boy 17 tops posing on a bus stop bench in front of the restaurant for every passing car in this kind of almost comical way I just remember that he had one leg propped up on the bench and he was stroking his thigh until eventually some old man drove by and picked him up we'll get a little more into what's going on in Miami a little later in the show. But first, let's take a quick trip to California. Eric's first experience took place in the Bay Area and is a great example of another way potential clients like to lie to male sex workers. You'll notice that this clip was recorded in front of a live audience as well.
4: And I did a response from a couple and I'm like, this is awesome. A couple, man, woman, nude massage, a will easy. And uh, I'm coordinating with the wife via email. And we agree it's going to be like $200 an hour for me to give our nude massage. And I take part, which is like our subway thingy, uh, from Berkeley to San Francisco. And the husband picks me up. And as I'm in the car, I'm nervous as hell. He says to me in the car on the way to their apartment, uh, Oh, by the way, we couldn't find a babysitter. So my wife is gonna be watching the kids, and it'll just be me tonight. And the this... wife always never shows up for some reason. Yeah, it's so weird. This is the point at which I'm either like, okay, there was never a wife to begin with, or let's give the parents some credit for not having the kids at home for this. Um, but yeah, we get there, and I go through the whole thing. And it's weird when you see like a full-grown, like 35-ish year old man. And things just start to get worn and saggy and hairy. And I'm like an 18-year-old boy, I've never seen a naked man standing in front of me. We go through the new massage thing, that's all that happens. Now, just real quick, are you, you're in their house? Yeah. Now,
0: are there pictures of a wife anywhere? You know, I was so full of just like adrenaline at the time that I can't honestly remember. We're gonna say that's a no. Okay, continue.
4: <laughs> um, so, he goes to pay me at the end, and I, it was there for two hours, and I had, again, negotiated with me $200 an hour, and for two hours, something like $400, and he gives me $200, and uh, I'm like, this isn't what we negotiated, and he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, my wife didn't tell me that, I didn't see that email. I'm like, well, you know, your wife's not here, and you can tell I was just completely like, oh my god, what the fuck did they just do? 100% true, he's like, hold on, I think I, <laughs> I have something for you and he runs back to his bedroom, he gave me three $5.00 coupons to In-N-Out. Yeah.
0: So, you know... Welcome to the glamorous world of male prostitution. That was at the very first Between the Sheets Variety Hour, which was last month live at Hungry Brain in Chicago. It was a huge success, and the next show is September 15th at 9pm and is completely free. The show features stand-up comedy, storytelling, music, games, and each month I will be interviewing someone on stage about a different topic relating to human sexuality. Eric ended up being an impromptu fill-in for a last-minute stripper cancellation, and I am really grateful to him for filling that role and turning a near-disaster into a successful segment. We took written questions from the audience, and almost everything people wanted to know somehow related to dicks. I love that this person who asked this question felt the need to write the word anonymous um, (laughs) below the question. They want to know how big.
4: Not big not big so i've written pretty openly about this like i clearly don't have a washboard stomach and i don't have a big dick but i'm like that the dominant personality so it's always talking to people uh so the answer is 5.2 inches that's on yeah i've written about that yeah!
0: cool. let's give it up for those 5.2 inches yes that is an answer i found surprising And I commend Eric for being so open about it. I don't know what the average cock size for male escorts is, but I imagine it's somewhere between Eric's and what Tay has got going on.
3: I'm uh, approximately 11 inches.
0: The onstage interview with Eric was relatively short and left a lot of open questions, so... We met up again to continue our conversation a few weeks later. As I mentioned earlier, Eric started escorting at age 18, and the bulk of the sex work he did happened over a a three-and-a-half-year period when he was in college. One of the more interesting facts about the 18-year-old Eric who posted an ad in Craigslist's sexual services section, back when Craigslist had a sexual services section, is that he was a virgin. How much after beginning to be a male escort did you lose your virginity with
4: a woman? A while. I lost my virginity on October 16th, 2004. Uh, I know that because it's my sister's birthday. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that um, was her gift. Oh, good luck. No. Oh. I did meet the girl at her birthday party. But, um... (laughs) But, uh... I started in fall of '03, so a solid, you know, ten months or so. One, you know, once I'd started before that, that I like lost my, my vaginal virginity. Yeah, she was. She was like a hundred pounds, and like ten of those pounds were in her chest. It was like absurd. <laughs> Good but, for you. You it, you started strong. Yeah. She's uh, she's actually from Wisconsin, and her accent is so... She's like, oh, my God, like, I want your cack in me so hard. And it was just the worst, like... Is, is that a direct quote?
0: Did she say that? Lots of stuff like that, yeah. So I'm just wondering... Because the first time you have sex with anyone is awkward. It just is. Totally. Even if it goes really well, there's still something... It's just a new experience. And I'm just wondering how 10 months of sex work with men... Yeah. ...might have weighed on you, might have changed that experience. I mean, does anything come to mind?
4: Well, as- mind you, it's not like I had never done anything with a woman... ...was doing stuff with guys for 10 months. Like, I had been doing stuff with women since I was 16. I just hadn't lost my virginity. So, you know, I, I had gone down on women and vice versa before I ever had that experience with a man. But yeah, there was a point at which like my sexual kind of college escapade started a parallel path with both men and women where men were exposing me to things that like I didn't even know you could do. Like it never occurred to me that like you could lick an asshole and that that might be something that would feel pleasurable until a guy was like, I want you to sit on my face. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm using that (laughs) and brought that back. So my female experience and in, in my experience with men and sex work has absolutely, like, enriched my sexual life with women. Um, knowing what it's like to have, like, a big, gross, sweaty guy on top of you and knowing how most guys are horrible at kissing and, like, think that they're supposed to, like, choke you with their tongue. Like, I've, I've been on the other side. So um, very often I bring, you know, those experiences into my...
0: So, so you think it made you a better kisser because yeah, you're more subtle totally. in the way you kiss? Yes. The experience also gave him some insight into why women fake orgasms.
4: You kind of put on a theatrical role and you're like, oh my god, yeah, fuck me with that big cock. It makes a guy come faster. And sometimes you're like, I just want to fucking get this over with. You know That never occurred to me. You know, I was always like, why would a woman want to fake an orgasm? Why wouldn't she want to work with me to... But sometimes you're like, I don't I want you off of me right now. And it's easier to just get you to have yours, you know? I,
0: I think that's part of it. I mean, I think there are probably you know, there totally. are a whole
4: host of reasons. But yeah,
0: that I could see that being a reason that wouldn't necessarily pop into your head until you have a sweaty guy
4: on top of yeah. you. And have you ever faked it? I did that's how I discovered it was <laughs> was this guy, uh, real name Gary Gross. Um, it's fine, he is probably dead. Um Was, like, you know, he said he was... How how old was he? He said he was 50. He looked like he was, like, 75. Um, And he was on top of me, like, dry-humping me, but, like, we were both naked. And um, he just, like, you know, thought I was really into it all the time, and I wasn't. And one time he's just on me, and... Because you were that good at your job. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And uh, I'm like, God, I just want this over with. And I had this thought, like, what if I pretend I'm really into it? And so he's kind of missionary on top of me and he's like over my shoulder, looking at the pillow behind me and I'm looking up at the ceiling and he's like pumping away. And I'm just like, Oh, Oh fuck. Yeah. Fuck me with that big fucking cock. Oh my God. And like five seconds later, he's just like, and like, just like, you know, jizz all over my stomach. And, uh, he falls with his like face into the pillow and I'm still looking up at the ceiling and this big smile comes over my face because I'm like, oh my God, that's totally why. Like, that's why women do it. You know, that's certainly a reason. Like, yeah, I was like, I wonder if I make myself pretend like I'm more into it, if it will end the sooner. And it did, like, fucking clockwork.
0: And did you find yourself doing that a lot, or?
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't remember specifically, but it was certainly a tool that I added, you know, to the, tool- to the toolbox, to the point where I've actually called women out, um, not in a way to make them feel shitty or uncomfortable, but like, you know, like, Hey, like we can work through this. Like I don't want you to feel pressured to do anything. When I've sensed that they're probably putting on a bit of an act, um, and I've had them be like, after the fact, like, "Why did you say that?" And I explain, and they're like, "No guy has ever called me out on that, but you are a hundred percent right." And so I do feel like I have this weird, you know, like sixth sense as to like kind of what's going on in the situation.
0: As we established earlier. All three guys set their own limits and have things they will and will not do. In respect to anal sex, Ted will both bottom and top, though he's most frequently hired to top. Tay exclusively tops, and he was very emphatic about that.
3: Everyone that I've ever dealt with knows that line is not going to get crossed, period. There is no negotiation. You cannot pay me enough to allow you to stick anything inside of me, it's not- And not even in your private life, I assume, either. It is not going to happen, period.
0: Eric has never bottomed, and with only one exception, has never even topped. And that one exception he made was with his favorite client of all time.
4: He was just a super nice, welcoming, friendly guy. Um, You know, not like a model or anything, but not horrendous looking. You know, he's probably like- 45 or something and um had like this awesome beautiful house he built himself in san francisco but really it was just his like his attitude about the whole thing and he wanted to kind of do everything to me in terms of like he wanted to give me a massage and he wanted to make me dinner and all this kind of stuff um, and pay me for it so i think i mean the most i ever got paid was one time with him and it's the only time i've ever had intercourse with the guy um is he had me come over gave me the massage. He had this like marble heated, like double shower in his, you know, bottom floor and like jacuzzi. And we did all that stuff. Um, yeah, he made me the dinner, wine, dine me. And then like, he wanted me to top him, um, which I, you know, I'd never had sex with the guy. And, uh, so I did that. It it was not my thing, (laughs) but you know, and, uh, at the, after that, he, you know, gave me 1200 bucks. Um, so you know, I got $1,200 for, you know, two to three hours of like basically like a spa treatment. I don't know. Maybe we go to different
0: spas. (laughs) (laughs) I've never actually been to a spa. So maybe that's just how it usually goes. I have a feeling it's not, but it does kind of sound like just a different take on the happy ending massage. And for a broke college student, like Eric, the happiest part of that ending was the $1,200 payday. And even without the twelve hundred dollars, that experience definitely sounds more pleasant than a lot of the other dates he went on. Here's Eric describing his worst sex work experience.
4: But so I had gotten this message from a, a fellow UC Berkeley student um, who had typed me this message, and it was it was you know just like filled with all these um, typos, and it's like that's strange. And I just, it was a weird, like, does this kid speak English? Like, what's going on? And eventually in our correspondence, it came uh, became evident that he had cerebral palsy. And it was during, like, Easter break or something where, like, he was back at home at his mom's place in the Bay Area. And I was just staying in student housing. Um, and, yeah, we, eventually, like, it came through that he had cerebral palsy. Uh, that's why he was, you know, typing poorly. And, uh... Went over to his house, and... So I get there, and his mom answers the door, and already I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I know. Like, you know? And he was Filipino, and I only bring that up because Daily City, where this took place in the Bay Area, is, is a heavily Filipino city, and there's a lot of people that live at home with their parents, and there's an odd... Or a, a culture to it that is not what one thinks of when they're going to go see a client, you know? And um, the conservative Catholic, and so... She directs me down to her son, and I don't know how much she knows about what's going right. on. Like, is this a thing that she <laughs> arranges for her son? Maybe she's a terrible typist. I know. <laughs> I mean, really, really, like what I thought was that she thought this was some sort of like a play date or something, or you know, some friend, or I, I you know, who knows how often he had escorts over. Um, but so she directs me down to his room downstairs. And he's watching some terrible movie, like some Fast and Furious movie or something like that. And he's on his bed. And so the mom, like, leaves us alone. And I sit on kind of the edge of the bed. And uh, I thought, oh, okay, he just wants, like, a companion to watch this shitty movie with. Like, he wants a friend. And I was, like, pretty relieved about that. And then maybe, like, ten minutes in of, like, just awkward kind of non-conversation, um he he like turns to me and he's like you know you want to chuck it and <laughs> not really was the answer i'm thinking but you know you're you're under you're under duress in a sense that i mean you're there to do a job and you've like contracted this out like where you're going to See the, you know,
0: i i hope that potential employers hear this because this is the kind of employee you get someone <laughs> Who feels a sense of responsibility for the commitments he's made.
4: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I was there to do a job. Uh, one thing I failed to mention is that I was not expecting to have this uh, appointment earlier in the day. And for some reason, had decided to use that Saturday as, like, just some masturbatory fest. Where, <laughs> like, I was, like, a good, like, five or six deep in, like jerk-off sessions and, like, was, like, non-functional for the rest of the day. Right, Like, I right. was, like, I'm raw and, and... I was
0: about to say, probably kind of sore.
4: Yeah. I mean, I was, like, whatever, 19 years old or something Right, right, like that. yeah. And um, he's, like, do you want to suck it? And I had a rule that if I w- wasn't comfortable with whatever was uh, in front of me, that I would frequently use, like, flavored condoms for oral sex. So I help him, like, maneuver his pants. And he has severe CP. Like, he's, he's in a, ch- you know, chair and everything. And... Um, This is the first time I was exposed to what I would later come to learn is smegma. And he had a very unpleasant looking situation happening with his dick. It's colloquially known as dick cheese. But so that situation is going on. And like, I just don't want to get anywhere near that. Uh, And I, I swear to God, I don't actually remember if I did. I definitely think I tried like putting like a condom on. I I know that he, whether it was I was using my hand or my mouth or whatever, like, he he came in, like, a matter of seconds, which was, like, awesome.
0: Maybe you were still weighing whether or not you were going to do this and it already
4: Uh, happened. Yeah, Uh, but then he wanted to return the favor. The thing is, as I mentioned, I had had my, you know, five times gone already dick situation going on, and um, not only did I not want stimulation but uh i didn't want stimulation from orally from someone who really lacked the motor skills to control their teeth yeah and yeah. what was going on and uh it was it was pretty horrible it was like painful it was like what you know and this is the only time in the you know over the years that i'd done it that i ever regretted like what the fuck am i doing like um Growing up, I was like never like an assertive kid, very shy. So like that would never happen to me now. But I was so self conscious and like being in that situation that like I just didn't have it in me to be like, "Hey, this isn't cool. Like we need to stop." You know? I was, oh, I don't want to hurt his feelings. What's he gonna? Do? Anyway, this is all ends or whatever. We go through with it, and it comes time for him to pay me, and he says he doesn't have any money, and I'm like wait, what? And he's like, oh, I didn't know this was, like, a paying situation. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? But, like, I didn't know, like, again, I didn't know what to do. Like, do I go tell his mom? (laughs) Like, do I, you know what I mean? Do I out this kid to his mom? Does she already know? And then, like, I just, like, I was like, okay, well, next time, or I don't even know. I just want to get the fuck out of there. Like, I already hated the situation before that part came up. And I drove home, and I just felt disgusting, and and then I started to get really, like, resentful of him and kind of hateful, like... I'm like, there's no way. Like, there was a fucking ad that had a dollar amount attached to it. Like, was he just playing, like, like the disabled card or something? Like, where... What am I going to do? Like, beat up a kid with CP to get my money? In front of his mom. Yeah. And then later, like, a couple months later, I was on the, the Berkeley campus and at one of the campus bars there. And I'm there and i see this kid in a motorized wheelchair across the room and it's him and he looks across at me and we like we make eye contact and like it, it takes him a few seconds um i knew right away it takes him a few seconds and he just starts cackling and laughing out loud like he knew the whole fucking time what was going on like i can't that's the the worst i've ever felt about anything that uh, that i ever did in terms of sex work the only time i ever really felt bad like that well yeah On the
0: bright side, he's probably dead now. If you think about just the life expectancy of someone in a situation.
4: Oh, (laughs) R.I.P. Alex Madrid. Was that his name? You can edit that if you want. It's been said many times on my podcast.
0: (laughs) I debated cutting out the part about him potentially being dead. But I decided that if I was going to include Eric's impression of the kid, which I know at least some of you will find offensive, that I should end the clip with me saying something potentially more offensive. So they both stayed in. So you want to chuck it? Feel free to send any and all hate mail to Chris at sexwithstrangersshow.com. I'd love to hear from you. The reason I brought up potential employers... In that last clip is because Eric's openness about his history with sex work is very Googleable and has cost him professionally. In fact, he received some bad news on the day we met up.
4: I was told today in like a in a contract position I had that I was hoping to get converted to a full time one that it's just not a good fit.
0: And this is not the first time he's been given this type of speech.
4: So I've done like uh, previously like tech sales and I actually was fired from a job. Uh, when I had my podcast going. Um, now, did
0: they tell you, or you just could tell?
4: I was told that... What was it? My, the CEO didn't like the way I looked, which is a very odd thing to say for a San Francisco startup. The whole thing was, was, was bullshit. I mean, I was, like, the top sales guy there, and I closed deals faster than any other salesperson in their history, and I was working with, like, the vice president of recruiting at Yelp and all these places, and I think... From a strictly business standpoint, it kind of made sense that my CEO was basically like, we don't want our top sales guy to be someone that you know our clients are going to Google.
0: And the ironic thing is that after getting fired for talking about sex work, his best option for paying his bills while searching for another job was doing more
4: sex work. I found myself in a situation where I'm like, I couldn't get work. And I was like, fuck, well, okay, I, I maybe I have to go try this again the difference being being that i'm older now um one that in itself works against me i'm not an 18 year old you know right f- fresh piece of meat. but uh also i just knew more what i wanted and what i was willing to do and i wasn't willing to go to a kid's house with cp <laughs> and you know fucking jerk him his smegma dick off like that's right in as such i mean that meant less opportunities for me to make money um it did mean that the one the opportunities i did take were much more on my terms and involved, you know, sometimes things just as simple as going out to get drinks with a guy and he wants to pay me a hundred dollars an hour to, for him to buy me drinks. That's easy. You know, how recent was that? Like the last time, the last time would have been, um, probably February of this year. I did what did one session here in Chicago.
0: I'm hoping Eric won't have to return to doing this work when that contract runs out. Not because I think there's anything wrong with escorting, but because in an ideal world, the sexual services market would be staffed solely by people who enjoy the work. People like Ted and Tay, for instance.
3: I love it. That's the truth.
0: So, okay, so you do enjoy this
3: work. Yes. I love sex. I love knowing that I've pleased someone, that they have gotten what they're looking for. It's not going to be any form of games. I'm going to do exactly what I came here to do, and you're going to be happy when I leave. So so you get
0: probably both, like, a personal satisfaction as yes. well as, like, a sexual satisfaction yes. from just, and you probably get off on being desired by all these yes, people who will not just want you but are willing to pay to get you. Exactly.
3: I don't plan on ever <laughs> giving it up <laughs> at all. Even when you're, like, 50, you're going to keep... Just look at the site. (laughs) I think that's the best way to put it. Look at the sites and you'll see there are people there that are up in age that still do this.
0: So there there is no plan B? This is is it until the grave? I might do something also with it,
3: but I'm not going to give it up.
0: Tay entered this business at age 21. Ten years later, at age 31, he's moved to Chicago from Miami. And despite being here for only three weeks, as of when we spoke, his professionalism has already paid off.
3: The first five, no, six people that I met, it's a constant now. You know, they're always calling, they're always wondering if I'm available. Um, They Facebook me, they write me, they text me email and all this so those those first five well six that i met is we've somewhat bonded in this short period of time because they're not they didn't expect for me to come here and give them exactly what they were paying for they said a lot of the guys that they've been dealing with here what they do is they make them a lot of promises but when they get there they can't perform because most of them are on drugs um they use crystal mouth uh heroin, cocaine... See, so I would think crystal meth would be the one drug that would help. No. There's a term that they call tina dick, which is, <laughs> um, once you use crystal meth for an extended period of time... I
0: see. It, like, helps at the beginning, but, like... The, yes.
3: And then after a while, it's completely... You, you can't perform. You know, even when you think you can, you can't.
0: And Viagra won't help? It's like you've, well, you've destroyed it, or maybe Viagra
3: will help, but it's expensive? No, it... it from what I hear, it helps... Because I don't, I don't need Viagra. You know, I Congratulations. <laughs> never, <laughs> never needed any type of medication to help me at all. Um, I've been blessed with that. I don't have a problem getting hard, coming, anything. So I, you're
0: qualified for your job. Yes,
3: I know. Once I go and meet someone, they are going to get what they're paying for. It's not going to be a waste of their time. It's not going to be a waste of my time.
0: I feel like there really should be some sort of public service announcement about Tina Dick. I think that that would be the most effective way to stop teenage men from doing meth. But drug use comes up every time I talk to people about any form of sex work. Male prostitution, particularly gay-for-pay prostitution, has a reputation for being something drug addicts resort to. There's a documentary on YouTube called Brian on the Boulevard that's very focused on his heroin usage. As far as I can tell, I've yet to talk to a sex worker with a current drug dependency issue. But I understand that they exist, and that my methodology for finding guests minimizes my chance of encountering them. At some point, I will go out of my way to have someone on this show who does this work solely to feed a habit, because I think that experience and perspective is part of what's happening in the world and is an important component of a broader conversation about sex work. But it needs to be said that the vast majority of people with drug and alcohol dependency issues are not sex workers. And there would be plenty of people happily offering sexual services even if we lived in a world devoid of drugs or alcohol. Ted is a great example of this.
2: All the all, all the all the workers in in this that that I know, we're all safe, sane individuals. Most of us that I know that, didn't even really drink, so. So, so you don't even drink. Well, I, I drink occasionally, but I, I never drink to get drunk. I don't like being drunk. Yeah, I'll I'll have whiskey, every now and then, just to kind of like relax. I'll have whiskey and a cigar. Like bur- like this weekend, I had bourbon and cigars while camping. I don't do drugs because I don't like being in a different state of mind. That's the last thing I need is to destroy my body on a drug because I use that for work.
0: (laughs) Though he's clean and sober now, Tay's path into this business did involve drugs. But in an unconventional way, he was supporting his habit very easily. In fact, probably a little too easily by working as a drug dealer himself at the time. You had been selling drugs for, like, eight years at this point when you started escorting. Yes. What was the
3: catalyst for that? Um, the fact that I found that sex sells tremendously. Um, I was always approached by people. Because it's Miami. Yes. I was approached constantly.
0: I lived in Fort Lauderdale and I got approached. (laughs) So I I imagine that just being in that area, it's just part of the culture there, it seems like.
3: Yes. And I hadn't ever been with a man until then have you thought about it had it no it just... no it's never crossed my mind or anything it just i've been approached I was approached constantly, so I would just brush it off until I met this Russian guy he offered me fifteen hundred dollars for an hour, which was and I'm like what <laughs> and he was like it's yeah it's a nice wage. because he he's been he was constantly approaching me every time he was come and buy cocaine so I just kept dismissing it until one day things were kind of slow. And he was like, look, I'll pay you what you're going to make today if you just give me a little bit of your time. So I was like, shit, I'm not making no money anyhow. So, Is that what you were making a day selling cocaine? Approximately, yes. That's profit. That's yeah. not yeah, yeah, just yeah. what I invested into. What, what happened to all that money? Because, <laughs> um, I mean, we're talking about over 500 a year. Yes But <laughs> With a drug habit Like I have, It doesn't last Very long The reason being Is cocaine Crack cocaine Is not like Most drugs If you use Heroin Crystal mouth Or something like that It's gonna last For a while Crack a on the There's a ceiling On
0: like How much you can Especially with Something like heroin There's mm-hmm. a definite Ceiling on how much You can do Cause you'll yes. Fucking fall asleep
3: There really is None with crack There yeah. is none As long as you can Get it you can use it. There is no, oh, getting sick. There is no, oh, I use too much. Um, it's really, really rare for someone to OD on crack cocaine because you It's can, just too fast. Yes, it's just it, in and out of your yeah, system. Yeah,
0: you burn it out so quickly. So, and so, I mean, in some ways, that makes it safer than cocaine. That's funny.
3: In a way, yes, but...
0: The it's reason, more addictive.
3: Yes, it's a lot more addictive. Right. And the main thing is... How much money do you
0: think you've spent on personal use on crack? I... Ballpark. I really can't... Over a million it, dollars, probably.
3: Probably. But I can't really put a number on it because, like I said, it was times that I had outrageous amount of money, and then it was times that things just weren't going right, you know, because that's just the way it goes with crack. Right. And... So it's like you would... There were times where you were making
0: $1,500 a day, and mm-hmm. there were probably times where you weren't making much at all because things yes. just weren't going well.
3: And the fact that I would get so high and get paranoid and don't want to open the door for people that are coming to buy. So I would Maybe. miss all kinds of business like that.
0: So this guy offers you 1500 and it's just an offer you can't resist. Yes. What was that first time like?
3: Um, the first time, I'm not going to lie, was a little... I was a little uncomfortable because I have never been with a man before. But um, as the experience went along, I became more comfortable with it because to me it was basically the same feeling from with a man or with a woman. So then it was a constant thing with him. He would just pop up and he'd be like, okay, whatever you got, just bring it to me. I'm going to buy everything you got, just come. So. I was like, okay. (laughs) So, and you just fuck him? Is that essentially what what would happen? It started out with just uh, oral, because he knew that I've never been with a guy. He knew this. And you would just receive, or? Yes. Okay. Um, I haven't, the first time I've, like, crossed that whole barrier as far as giving oral was, like, recently. Maybe, like, five years ago. So, okay, so it yeah. took five years. Yes, before I even... And then the first time, I almost, like, threw up and everything, so... Because it just gagged in. Well, or, well and, or disgust as well. It was,
0: yes. A mixture? Yes.
3: Um, the fact that I even allowed myself to even go there.
0: But, okay, so... This Russian guy, and so was he your exclusive client for a while? Yes. it was, it was just for him? It was
3: just him for a while, and then... He had a party, and he introduced me to some other guys, and they had this, like, competition that they used to do inside of a hotel about measuring the size of a dick, who can last the longest, who can come the most, and all kinds of stuff. That
0: was just like, that was the party?
3: Yes. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of drugs, and it was... Did you win? No, I didn't. I'm not going to lie, I didn't win. <laughs> who,
0: like, because, I mean, I... Your, your picture is your picture, so, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've seen it. Someone
3: beat you? Someone... yes. The only reason that I lost is the guy, he was a, almost the same length, but he was a lot thicker than me. I see. I so see. So it looked like an arm. <laughs> I feel almost. like you could kill someone with
0: that. <laughs> Tay's been clean and sober for a while now, and he actually left Miami recently just to stay that way. Does your sponsor feel an urge to like try to talk you out of it or anything like yes.
3: that? Yes. Um... To them, they, they consider it as what they say, old behavior, because I'm still doing what I was doing before I got clean, but to me, it's really hard with um, all of the stuff that I was being arrested for. It's hard to get a legal job, legitimate job. You know, it's Are, really, you, are you a convicted felon? Yes. Okay. Um, so. it's, it's really difficult getting, walking into a place and then they ask me, oh, have you ever been convicted of a felony? And then they pull my name up and they see all this. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Cause like I said, it was little stints that I went to jail, but it was never any extended time, you know so It was never nothing major, but I was constantly being stopped by the police for drug areas or uh, being in possession of paraphernalia, stuff like that, so.
0: We all know about this country's broken criminal justice system. If you've been convicted of a felony Committing more felonies is probably your most effective route for supporting yourself. Tay is lucky in the sense that the work he does now, though illegal, is not a law enforcement priority by any stretch of the imagination. And he enjoys doing it. And now that he's sober, his approach to the business has changed as well. When he was on drugs, he would sometimes solicit on the street, like the teenager at that bus stop I mentioned earlier.
3: It's not as lucrative. You're not going to get what you're worth. Right. There's people that's trying to get get something for a little to nothing. Because most of the guys that are out there staying on the corner, they're going to accept little to nothing. I feel like
0: the, the people on the Internet are less likely to be the ones who are doing this to keep up with their drug habit, mm-hmm. it seems like those are people who are more business minded, mm-hmm. and the people who are doing the street stuff. It yeah, seems just like quick money. What do you think the lowest amount you've accepted? One the street thing. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it was like ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> to do what? Well, it was. You would have people that would approach you. Oh, let me see it, and then they'll just. That's then, it. Yeah, they'll just throw the money out of the car and keep driving off. <laughs> How often did that happen? That was very frequent. Um. Just well, like showing your dick here's $10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you just want to see it. Was
0: is there an incident where like you actually had like full-on sex for $10 during no. that period? No. Like, so it was just like that sort of thing. Yes. Like um, what, what is the lowest you think you've had like full-on sex for? I think
3: like $40 at least. It was about $40. Maybe, it might have been 30 bullshit, but, but around about that much, yes.
0: But yeah, that's still pretty low. Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't accept that now? No. no. No, no, You may be wondering just how old these clients are. And according to 23-year-old Ted, this is the basic age range of his client base.
2: 45 to 65. Anyone really young or higher you? The youngest, I think, was like mid-30s. I've heard stories of younger guys, and I have one that's talking to me from another state about if I'm coming through the area. But no dates with younger
0: guys have materialized thus far. Tay, like Aaron from New Orleans, who you may recall from a few different episodes, prefers older clients. And for a lot of the same reasons, she does.
3: They know what they want. Um, it's not going to be any bullshit. They're not going to waste my time. And they're willing to pay for what they want. So, I've, like I said, I've come to realize most of the younger people, they're either trying to get something for free or for half price or for
0: less. So do you have that where you show up and people are like, you know what, I don't have 200, I have 100. And what do you do in that situation? Do you go with it or do you say? No. You've, you've
3: never been like, oh, you know what, fuck it, I'm here. When I was using, yes. Now, <laughs> there is no negotiations.
0: Ted is currently in college and hoping to use his degree to find slightly more mainstream work when he graduates, though he is currently flirting with possibly doing porn. As we established earlier, Tay plans on doing this for the rest of his life, and Eric is out of the business, hopefully for good. And because Eric is so open about this topic, I knew his family had to be aware of his history as a sex worker. And I was curious how they reacted. Interestingly enough, his mother actually discovered what he was doing well before he started to publicly talk about it.
4: She hacked into my, she, she went into my email and looked through my emails and found out for herself. Well, yeah, during uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. (laughs) And I had to, you know, what could I say? They're right there. She had to dig like five pages in. She's like, "I still wasn't sure if it wasn't my email or not." <laughs> she's just <laughs> clicking through like the old Yahoo email address. His
0: mom, not surprisingly, was concerned. Those concerns continue to this day and come to the surface anytime there's a gap in his employment.
4: She'll call me, and I know. She's like, "So, like, how are you paying rent?" Like, and I know that that's always the question that she's trying to ask, you know. And are you
0: honest with her about that? As you know, in real time, like if if you were yeah. to, yeah, I am.
4: I I, I, I want to stop doing that just because she's so like I've you know had some articles come out about being a sex worker, and she'll call me like you. I thought you weren't a sex worker anymore, and I'm like, well, how do you want to define sex worker? And She's just getting caught up on wording. And if that's the reaction she's going to have, then, like, I would rather that she think that I'm constantly just sucking dick for money, you know? And, like, come to terms with that, Mom. And when you're okay with that, then we can have, you know, a quote-unquote honest conversation about where we're at with things.
0: His dad's reaction has been much less emotional.
4: He, he was very, like, pragmatic about it. Like, are you being safe? Like, what's your situation? So not approving, but just, like, kind of -of matter-of-factly accepting it, if that makes sense.
0: Tay's family also know about his work and seem to have taken the same approach that Eric's dad has. I got the impression that Ted's conservative family back in Arkansas don't know much about him or his life since they couldn't handle the fact that he was gay and seem to be mostly, if not entirely, cut out of his life. I'd like to thank Eric, Tay, and Ted once again for speaking with me and sharing their stories. Our next show will be something completely different. I'm traveling to Utah to talk to Mormons about sex. And something tells me they might have fewer fisting stories. But who knows? The Sex with Mormons episode will be out toward the end of the month and should be a good time. Special thanks once again to Sean Payne and Louis DeMeo for technical work and to composer Ben Jordan for our theme song. God bless us, everyone.